0: Today, we sit down with Corey Carlson. As an entrepreneur, former executive, husband, and father of three, Corey Carlson understands the pressures working parents face every day. He is passionate about helping business leaders win at home and work. 20 years ago, working in corporate America gave Corey amazing opportunities, but he also saw brokenness. Work without purpose, burnout, lack of focus, strained marriages, and absentee parents. He witnessed business leaders not living life to the fullest, and he sought out a better way. In this episode, Rich and I sit down with Corey, and Corey shares with us what he learned to become a better leader, father, husband. He left his corporate career to help other leaders achieve a healthier work-life balance. His book, Win at Home First, is an inspirational guide for work-life balance and is listed in Forbes as seven books everyone on your team should read. Rich and I subscribe to Corey's core belief that we cannot win at life or at work unless we win at home first, and we love Corey's clear messages. We hope you enjoy this episode as well. Well, welcome to the Entrepreneurs United podcast, and certainly what caught my attention, Corey, with you is your book, Win at Home First. Love to learn more about that in the podcast and, and what you do to impact entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, John and Rich, thank you very much for having me on the podcast and, and just to share my story and some of the things I've learned along the way with your audience, so thank you. Yeah, you, I mean, the Win Home First book was you know, written a little bit. I mean, the the short story is it's a little bit of my testimony and and the things that I made mistakes and and learned along the way, as well as pulling in different client stories and testimonies that I had. And and really kind of the, the main reason for the book was that as I pursued my corporate career, I found myself taking my identity to work and how successful I was or how much money I was making fast. I was climbing up the corporate ladder and really at the end of the day, um, even though I achieved some great things, balance got out of whack at home and I wasn't the ideal husband or or ideal father. And so through the process, I kind of, you know, one point I was, You know, VP of a $120 million division here in Cincinnati, where I live now. And things were just not going ideal from the standpoint of identity, from the standpoint of work life balance. And I was managing people older than me. I'd leapfrogged my old boss, managing him. And I was like, I I need help. So I talked to my boss who I, you know, loved and enjoyed working with, but we were always traveling different directions in the country, you know, throughout the country. This is back when you could travel a lot. Yeah. And so he said, get an executive coach. I've always had one. So I ended up hiring an executive coach and, and, and it changed my life. And I know that sounds very dramatic, but the reality is it did change my life because I have a whole different career now. And, and so what happened was with the executive coach, I started just looking at things differently, different priorities, different ways I went about my own day and what I started to you know, value and it started to change. And then I took one more corporate job where I was president of sales for a national contractor. I had 30 sales guys throughout the country reporting to me. And when I saw them change their life, like be intentional with their spouse, be intentional with their kids, purpose over paycheck, and yet EBITDA, our profitability increased. I was like, oh my goodness, if it helped me, and now it's helping these folks, I want to go do this for a living. You know, instead of just these 30 people to help, I go help 300, 3,000, 3 million. That's what I want to do. Yep. So um, I set out to do that. And in, in the process, started working with clients. And, um, you know, the story goes on and there's more pieces to it, but that, that's the, the, the reason for the book.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. And you certainly love the purpose over a paycheck. And it seems like you've kind of, you kind of went down the road of, you know, going through corporate America, thriving financially, maybe thriving in your role within the company, but feeling there was a missing element. And it looks like you pivoted kind of your career to, hey, I want more purpose. We can still drive the economic engine this way, but we're going to kind of go this way. And and I think, you know, one of the things I'd like to ask you is now I'm assuming within your, your business today, you do executive coaching yourself. You went from being, a coach, coachee to now a coach
1: is that correct that's right yeah so i do executive coaching you know one-on-one i do group coaching where it in, in some situations i lead a mastermind uh group as well do keynote talks to companies and, and workshops so kind of a variety of different you know revenue channels within the business to help but yeah we you know with the coaching you know speak specifically to that john is what I love so much about the coaching and why I wanted to do it is that even though, you know, you get more scale when you do grouping, which I understand and working on all those pieces of scale, but there's something about that one-on-one that happens where it is vulnerability, outside perspective, you're able to hold people accountable. You, you're able to go deeper. Um, you know, partly why I was, you know, a little late to our, our call here by a couple minutes is I was talking to a business owner that, It, every once in a while, those calls just, they, they got to talk about something. Something is not going well. And so we had to dive deeper. Yeah, And, and I, that's the part I just love because to help people get to that breakthrough. And really uh, what I want to try to help people is have breakthrough before they have the breakdown. Yeah. Unfortunately, so many people think that they can make it all the way by pulling up their own bootstraps. I can do it my own self. I'll, I'll go read another book. I'll go listen to another podcast. I can figure it out. But the reality is we were made for community. We were made to do things with others. And, and that's where I found the coaching was able to help people do that.
0: Yeah. If there's one message that's maybe come around full circle on this podcast when we've interviewed different guests is the concept of you know professional athletes. They have strength coaches, nutrition coaches, mindset coaches, but yet as entrepreneurs. Yeah. We tend to not really get coaches until we're in trouble. And then we go find a coach versus I think some of the entrepreneurs that are excelling today, both in business and in life, equip themselves with the right executive coach well ahead of any landmine. Uh, and so they can, they can progress along. Right. And that's, that's kind of a pivot that we're seeing today in the world is, is executives and entrepreneurs getting coaches well ahead of time, yeah. uh, not waiting for the breakdown. Right. So, so right. I love that. And, and talk to me a little bit about, You know, I want to take your story now and and kind of bring it back full circle to, you know, I'm sure you work with entrepreneurs that do work in corporate America, that do work for their own companies. And, um, you know, you took the opportunity to be, you know, be in sales or corporate America and pivoted to be a coach so you can impact people. But is it possible to be an entrepreneur, executive employee within a company and, still have that passion to win both at home and in the workplace. What are some of the keys that you, you find there when you talk to entrepreneurs in order to excel in both areas?
1: Yeah, it's fun. It's, I, I have a podcast as well called win at home first, but I open every episode with what is that key trait to win at home Yep, and win at work. And what's fun is almost everyone's got a different answer. And at some point I'll be compiling those and, and releasing another book just because it's fun for everyone's take. But to answer, you know, the question is absolutely people can do it. And what I find when I am in my own life, but also work with other people that first piece is identity. You know, if you're taking your identity to the success of the company you launch, whether it's your own company and you, it's the pride, the founders mentality, or whether it's a huge company and you work for the the big brand and you, you know, don't want to lose that. But if you are taking your work, your success, your identity, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure because when you get the corner office, it, mm-hmm. they, the, the, shininess rubs off, uh, you know, eventually, you know, rubs off Yeah. the title, you finally get the title. And then eventually it's like, well, is this it? I mean, and so you know, just as you guys have heard many stories of people making it to a certain level, and then they look around like, is this it? And so identity is a big piece. So making sure that entrepreneur or that high level corporate exec, depending on where they're at, is their identities in check. And so that's one of the first steps I work with individuals on.
2: How many steps are there total, Corey?
1: As far as like the different steps to work through? Yeah. When
2: you said that's a, one of the first steps you work with them on, do you have a finite number of steps or was that just kind of a general?
1: It's kind of a general statement, you know, Rich, as far as just some steps. But, you know, what I would, you know, one of the first things I would I do with clients is, hey, we work on that existing reality, right? As Jim Collins talks about, we have to confront the brutal facts and have an unwavering hope for the future. So the brutal facts are, hey, where, what, what's right now? Where, where are you taking your identity? Are you taking it to your job? You know, what's the good, bad, ugly? And, and talking about the challenges and the frustrations that you have. And once you start voicing that, you realize you're not alone. You know, so many individuals think they're alone and they're the only ones having marital problems. They're the only ones having troubles in their business. And so as you start to talk with other people about it. And so that first part, you know, rich in the identity and that self-awareness. And the next piece is like, where do you want to go? And so it's kind of that that potential. Do you have a vision statement for your life? Do you have a vision statement for your team and the values that you have? And so if that first item is the idea of perspective, the second one would be of the potential. Where do you want to go? And then the last one would be the priorities to get there. And so working individuals through priorities to help get them there.
2: That's great. Thanks for that. uh, I'm going to preface my next question with John and I flirted with writing a book about 20 years ago, and it was going to be about uh, how to be a great supervisor, leader, boss. And we thought we would take a different twist at it. And we uh, came up with the title World's Worst Boss, and we were going to write it kind of as a satire on how to be a bad boss. It It was the opposite of all the things that we thought people needed to do. Well, the book never came to be. But from that perspective, I have to ask you, I'm really curious, how do people lose at home? Because I think as an access point for how people win at home, it may add some perspective in some of our listeners or those watching on YouTube. If you could describe how people lose at home and they could maybe see themselves in some of the losing at home they may convert into being really open to how do you win at home then? But can you describe how do you lose at home, Corey?
1: Yeah. First word comes to mind, as you said, is you're passive. I think the the leader that at home who's passive, they're going to lose at home. They do not take their date, their, their spouse on dates. They don't go on dates. So from the marriage standpoint, they're just very passive. And so they are not spending time pursuing their spouse, asking questions about the day. How are they doing? How are they feeling? What are they thinking about? So they're passive from a marital standpoint. They're passive from a parenting standpoint where they are not disciplining their kids when they mess up, when they're not holding them to consequences. When they're not going on -on one-on-one dates with your children, whatever age they are, you need to be doing that. And then quite honestly, passive in your own life. I mean, if you're finding yourself coming home, sit on the couch and just getting lost in TV and your emails on your laptop and not taking care of yourself, not having quiet time, not being intentional, your spiritual growth, your physical health, you will lose at home if you're choosing passive versus aggressive. Love that. So
2: passive is a number one thing that you thought of as uh, author to the book, how to win at home first yep. uh, being passive is how you lose being passive, both in your marriage, in parenting and in your own life. I think that's really valuable. Are there, are there other ways to lose at home that are in the same bracket as destructive as being passive is?
1: Yeah. I mean, Definitely passive is a, a top one comes to mind. I mean, there's no question that have narcissistic and selfish in there, right? When they're you know, very selfish to what they're doing, it's their way. I've got to get to my job. I've got to get to this. And you're making the spouse carry all the heavy lifting. You know, who's getting, you know, our son or daughter to practice? You know, not me. I've got a busy day tomorrow. So you've got to do all the work. So I think if it's, you know, very selfish and more that taker mentality as opposed to giving, you know, I think one of the successes of all marriages is serving. I love the idea of when you talk to an older couple who's been married a long time is well, you know, was it 50-50? And they're like, no, it was 100-100. <laughs> we always look to see how we could serve. And so to win at home, you have to have a serving mentality of, hey, how can I help? my spouse? How can I take kids to practice? How can I pick up groceries or or dry cleaner, whatever it may be? So the opposite of that is being a taker. And it's being selfish and it's all about me. And I think anytime anyone is, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they think their day tomorrow is bigger than their spouse's day, that's a mess. You it's know, a good it, indicator of
2: being a, a taker, right? Is you think your day is bigger than your spouse's day every day in particular tomorrow. Maybe it is in fact, but every day, day in and day out, if your day is more important or bigger than your spouse's, that's an indicator that you're a taker. Yep, It's
0: good. So I got a pop quiz for both of you on this one. Uh, You know, you both have big bookshelves behind yourselves. Who has the book give and take with Adam Grant? Either of you guys have that one? I don't know if I have that one. Oh, Rich, you might be losing here. Right there, I'm seeing a reach back. <laughs>
2: I don't
0: think I have it. I got it right here. So <laughs> you know, when you, when you were talking about that, it just ah, uh, you know, I, I think that's an amazing book about that whole concept, right? Of give and take. You have it?
2: It's as close. I oh, think again, it's an Adam Grant book. It doesn't count. Doesn't count. One nothing for Corey for sure. <laughs>
1: have you read it though Corey? i actually did read give and take and i reference it in my book double points oh look at that very good yeah so in win home first it is in there because um yeah i just i i I found a a, well now you're just going to read my book to see how i reference it
0: exactly i love that because it really it really talks right about the concept of giving and taking and and you have to take sometimes you have to fulfill yourself as well it, it is that give and take you can't always be giving 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 or you're going to feel unfulfilled but it's that hundred hundred uh concept i love that idea of uh of doing that and and i just want to take this a step further rich and i'll throw it back over to you but like if someone and i love the question rich asked you like how do you lose at home your, your book's gonna tell us how you win at home but how do you lose and certainly you do some executive coaching and there may be some entrepreneurs listening to this podcast or executives listening to the podcast going, you know what, maybe I am being a little passive or maybe I am being a little selfish sometimes. And I want to adjust. How, how does one go about adjusting that to then flip over to win at home? Any key tips there that you would provide our listeners?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, well, you know, one of the biggest words with anything of that readjusting or recalibrating is just intentionality, like being intentional, with every family member and every also even minute of your day so intentionality looks like if you're going to go on a date with your spouse this weekend well let's figure it out and be intentional about it invite them on a date get the babysitter if you need it and not just all of a sudden saturday at five o'clock it's like oh what do you want to do tonight i don't know well, you know, we should, should have went on a day, but we don't have a babysitter. Well, it looks like we'll sit here and watch more TV. Yep. So it takes intentionality. And so, you know, that's a big piece. Same thing with all the kids' activities. You know, being intentional. If you know the kids have practice at night, be intentional that you are going to leave work at the right time in order to take the kids to practice. If you are going to, you know, start growing spiritually or journaling, Make sure you're being intentional and go to bed at the right time the night before so that you can get up in the morning and, and start winning the day early. A lot of being intentional
2: that you described what I heard was forethought. Are there elements of being intentional that are not about forethought? Tell me more on that. Like, what are you thinking? So when you talked about, We should have gone on a date night. Well, you should have had that forethought. Um, Taking somebody to practice and making sure you're leaving on time, that requires forethought. Um, I don't have any particular direction I'm taking it. I'm just wondering if intentionality, if another access point to that is, is it as simple as having forethought about your future intentions or is there more to it than that? And I'm and I'm not leading on like I yeah. think there is more to it. I'm genuinely yeah. curious because oh, the examples you gave and where my head goes is like, oh, that's having really good forethought. I'm content if that's the answer. But is there more to it than that, or is it or is it about forethought?
1: Yeah, I mean, I yeah, the way I would I'd take that a step further because it would open up the, even some other ideas in this conversation. Yes, <clears throat> is to treat our personal life our family life, our home life, like a business. And I don't, before everyone, you know, I mean, listening gets all, you know, things crazy or whatever, but there are so many things that we would not allow at work that we allow at home. At work, you have to have a vision statement. You have to have values for your organization at home. Some people just wing it at work. You have a cadence with your direct reports. I'm going to meet with them once a week. I'm going to meet with them every other week, whatever the cadence may be. We're going to have a, a monthly report and you know, meeting. We're going to have a quarterly you know, strategic session. All these things that are a must in the business world at home, we wing it. We're like, oh, you know, we don't, oh, don't worry about strategy. What, what's our goals for 2021? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. No, we have to have that same business owner mentality to lead our families well. So we know at the beginning of the year, hey, what are some of the vacations we want to do this year? What are some of the things that we want to grow individually and as a family? Have a vision statement for your family. We have a vision statement for our family. And I know not all my kids have it memorized, but at least they know that that we're about something. The Carlsons mean something. We have values that are to make us Carlson's unique and distinct from maybe any other, you know, family on the street. But we do that to provide that strong foundation for all of us as we leave the family. I mean, as we leave the house that day.
2: Yeah. Thanks for that elaboration. Sounds like your first exposure to that was when you were the VP of that $120 million division and you got that executive coach and you said, all of a sudden you started setting priorities and looking at the day and where you spent time. Um, Can you speak about some of that transition point in your life and how having vision and values and a meeting cadence and this type of intentionality, how did that make a difference for you in your personal life at that time I'm just asking you to reflect back to that executive coaching time. That was really, it sounds like transformational for you.
1: Yeah. I'd say before I hired a coach, I was basically, you know, chicken with the head cut off. It was, I was getting all my emails done, getting it in, in, you know, inside the email box, make sure I got all it done, just running here, running there. And when I got the coach, a framework that we learned, this is, it's called the five capitals and it's, you know, uh, a framework that i still use to this day every day and it's what i coach and the organization i do coaching with is you know is the five capitals but you know the first one is spiritual capital and for those that are listening who are not you know believers in in god then you know spiritual capital is for me it is to grow in relationship with god but for others it is about a greater purpose so what is that purpose that you're living into And so that's measured in, you know, wisdom and power. Are you spending time growing spiritually? Are you journaling? Are you reflecting? Are you meditating? Whatever those elements may be. You know, there was a study years ago that said Harvard Business Review did that all great ideas come from the shower. And it's this idea that the phone's not ringing. There's no nagging spouse. There's no crying kids. But instead, you're just thinking. You know, we've all been in that work meeting when someone said, while I was on a run today, I thought of while I was walking my dog, I thought of. And that's why. So what are you doing in your life to create space to think about a bigger picture? So second is relational. So if the first one is to love God, the second one is to love others. So relationally, what are you doing? Who are you investing in and who's investing in you? And so this is your spouse, this is your kids, this is your coworkers. These are your close friends. I don't know what the makeup of of your uh, listening audience is. But one thing, you know, from I'm obviously a guy, is men struggle to have friends. And I found that to be at different points in my career where I got lost in work. I got even lost in family that I didn't have guy friends. And guys have got to have friends just like women do, but women tend to do a better job of it. I put this quote in my book when I was writing the book. I uh, found this uh, quote about the same time and I put it in where, um, you know, no one ever talks about Jesus' greatest miracle. And it's that he had uh, three close friends in his early thirties, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, no matter what your faith is, that's just funny stuff because <laughs> it is hard to have friends. So from a relational capital standpoint, are you spending time with friends, spending time with your family, and then even you know co-workers the third one's physical capital this is all about time and energy you can't do anything good for your business or for uh your family if you're dead or if you're tired and we all know what it's like to stay up too late to drink too much to eat too much at lunch to you know have a a sugar crash you can't give as much if you aren't managing your time and energy so do you manage your schedule or does your schedule manage you And so really paying attention to that time and energy piece. The fourth one is intellectual capital. And so this is all about your um, insights and ideas that you get to bring to work. And And the fifth one is financial capital. This is all about, you know, stewarding the resources that you've been given. And so for me, that's the order that I started to live into. And so even to this day, as I share with other people and even have to recalibrate myself is if I'm not careful, financial capital becomes my number one. I'm the provider for our family. And if things don't go well, I get all freaked out. I start thinking about money. Oh, no, I need to make more money. Well, then I just go the reverse order. Well, I better go make more money. Therefore, I better intellectual capital, better read more books, listen more podcasts because I better get smarter then I start working more on physical capital. I'm starting you know, to working all the time relationally. I may ask some buddies if they can help. And the last thing I'll do is ask God if he's got any ideas. <laughs> well, okay. And that's what I find when I'm in an unhealthy place. And is your recommendation going in order
2: top to bottom from spiritual to financial? And it's upside down to go the other way? Or is your recommendation... Uh, balance across all or wh- how would someone approach this?
1: Yeah. Top down for sure. Cause there's a power, there, there's a power in, you know, the higher ones up. So top down now, if there's a depleted resource that you have going on in your life, for whatever reason, maybe it is financial capital. Oh man, we just lost a job or people, a lot of people coming out of 2020. Some people had an amazing financial year, 2020. Some people did not. So maybe you're going to have to think through financial and it takes a little investment or maybe physically you had knee surgery. And so there's got to be some intentionality around the physical piece, whatever it is, the recommendation is still start top from bottom as you work on that depleted resource.
0: Yeah, that's great. You know, I I want to come back to one thing you said that I'm a very strong proponent of, which is treat your personal life like a business. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up these five capitals and these five points, it's no different than, you know, sitting around the boardroom and coming up with your three to five year strategic plan. You know, what's our, what are, what are our values? What's our mission? know, What are our sales goals? How are we going to get here? And you plan it out. And as an individual, if you're clear on your five capitals and you can sit down with your family and be very clear on the strategic plan of your family or the vision for your family, where you want to go, there becomes clarity and, and it starts pulling all together. And I even, I take it a lot of times, uh, Corey, in the financial sense as well, to it a step further is, you know, your family has a balance sheet and they have, you know, but a lot of times I I know business owners and quite honestly, I've been there myself at one point where, you know, I was balancing the financials of our business and had our monthly clothes and everything was tight, but on the personal side, wasn't really keeping as much track, you know, so I wasn't treating it like a business. And so that, that, that brings, that rings a lot of bells with me, which is in order to win at home, you should take some of those practices we've been so ingrained, so trained on in how to run a business and and, and bring it to your home life and start, you know, do a performance review of yourself or a 360 of yourself. Am I being too passive? Am I, you know, intentional enough? I have enough forethought like Rich talked about a lot of really, really strong stuff. And so if you, if you bring it back down, I want to kind of bring it all the way back full circle to these five capitals and, and the question Rich just asked you in terms of the approach you should take, you know, one of the things, If you just start off with spiritual, one of the things I started doing this year because of this podcast and learned from one of our guests was just take 20 minutes a day with a blank sheet of paper and just think for 20 minutes. And I would change, you know, change really how I process every day and what I do every day. Are there some very simple tips like that, that you would provide our listeners for these five capitals in terms of here's something you can do on each of these five that can really start moving the needle in the
1: right direction? Yeah, I mean, you know, spiritual, it is for sure the quiet time. You know, for me, it's scripture, getting into scripture, reading it, and, you know, kind of thinking through, seeing what calls you out that day. I'm a big fan of journaling. Just looking right here, you know, it's, I'm journaling, and, you know, I go to the old school paper Bible, and, and then, you know, but I've talked to people like, well, all right, I got a journal or blank, you know, sheet of paper. Just think, well, what do I think about? You know, sometimes it's like reflective questions. Why did you get mad last night at dinner? You know, why did you get frustrated at, at this work meeting? Why is this person annoying you? Or just things like that to really kind of start to process and grow in self-awareness and look to how to improve upon it. So from a spiritual standpoint, to me, it is quiet time. And those are the things I use as, you know, scripture, prayer and journaling. The second is relational if you do not have friends, go get friends. And it's, it's serious. I mean, it's lone wolves will get taken out. And so definitely find community. So if, if that's resonating with you, as I say that to the listener, man, just go get friends. We, we've all been there at different times where, you know, we've kind of taken our eye off of the friend group, you know, friend group, date your spouse and go on some dates with your kids from a physical standpoint, physical capital, man, it's work out. I mean, it's take care of yourself. And it's also a friend of mine, you know, said this and what the great thing about 2020 is it gave us all permission to say no. Hmm. So say no to some stuff, say no to things um, and guard that calendar. I had a, uh, a friend, you know, shared this quote with me that I, I absolutely love is the, quantity of our no's will drive the quality of our yeses. And so if we say yes to everything, we can't do it well. You know, I mean, we're doing things well, half ass. I can't think of another word other yep. than a cuss word. But, <laughs> um, you know, but if we, you know, if the idea is, hey, we're doing 10 things, but if we pare it down to say four, we can actually go after them. But if we're saying yes to all 10 things, we can't. It's a diluted effort. You know, intellectual capital is, man, make sure you got a growth mindset and you're growing and you're learning. We've all heard, you know, leaders are learners. And so from an intellectual standpoint is you know, not only consume information, but even like this podcast, everything we're talking about today, don't just consume information, implement.
0: Yeah.
1: There's tons of stuff to consume. But are you actually implementing? And then the financial pieces we've talked about it, is, is steward the resources and really lean into being a giver, lean into generosity, tithing, nonprofits, pay your employees more, but lean into generosity.
0: Yeah. Lo- love all of those. And I, I, I want to come back to your quote too. Quantity of our nose will drive the quality of our interactions or actions. And, you know, I, I go back to the, entrepreneur who may not be winning at home yeah and potentially where you were when you know you hit your 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 pivot shift and i've been there for sure i'm sure rich has been there we've all been there and the only thing that gets you out of that rat race or that you know that 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 running over and over and over and over again if you were to talk to an entrepreneur right now as a coach who's in the middle of that right now, they're, they're, they're running hard, they're they're going through emails, they live by their emails, they're not catching up, they're not winning at home, chances are they would say, I just don't have time. With you know, And because they're saying yes to everything, they're trying to get everything done, they're not, you know, what would you recommend? Like, it, it's a lot easier for us to say, we'll just say no to more things, but you're an entrepreneur, you got a growing business, you got problems, COVID just hit, you're trying to get everything to survive, you're trying to... You know, there's so much going on. How do you help entrepreneurs, or how can entrepreneurs help themselves make such a large pivot when they have so much responsibility?
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's a great question. And first, first thing is call me. I'll talk to them. But uh, <laughs> no, you know, in all seriousness, I, I, I say that jokingly. But um, from the standpoint of sometimes you need to talk to somebody else. Like you need that outside perspective. And whether it's a mentor, it's a coach, it is, you know, just somebody where if you were to bounce some things off, they would be like, you don't need to do that. Or why don't you delegate that? Or, you know, hire that out or or whatever it may be. But sometimes just voicing it out, you almost can solve the problem yourself. That's what they'll talk a lot about with coaches Even for myself is people ask, well, what industry do you like to coach in? It doesn't matter. All it is, is, I'm trying to get the best of an individual out of themselves. So I don't know the answers to their company, but by them talking it out, me asking questions or another coach asking questions, that stuff will rise to the top and they'll get a, now I can bring some different content. I can bring some different ideas, but at the end of the day, You, as you talk about it, you'll start to realize what is the most important things.
2: Corey, early on in the conversation, you were saying you did several things, executive coaching, group coaching, mastermind, keynote. And then you talked about the value of the one-on-one. And the first thing you mentioned was vulnerability. I'm curious as to your perspective on the place for vulnerability in your group coaching outside of the one-on-one with whether it be a leadership team uh, where you've done coaching there or done an offsite. I know you mentioned uh, quarterly offsite, so you've probably facilitated some of those. Just can you speak to the vulnerability piece in groups?
1: I think there's huge value in vulnerability. You know, um, obviously there's a time and place for it. I mean, the leader can't just stand there and say they're shaking in their boots, they're nervous about Q two and what's going to happen, and you know I'm scared to death that the ship's sinking. I mean, <laughs> there's a little bit of a you know they got to be somewhat guarded. However, vulnerability is led by the leader. You know, if the leader's going to be all tough and have this veneer, I got all my stuff figured out. No one's going to open up. No one's going to open up at all because everyone's going to follow the leader and kind of act tough. But when the leader is vulnerable, they're sharing some of their you know, strengths, weaknesses, their frustration they have that others can follow suit. And by it being exposed, by vulnerability kind of being exposed, now we can start to have empathy. Now we can start to care for people if we know what they're going through. Now we can start to look to solve the team's problems. Other, you know, oh, I didn't know Susie's having a difficult time over here. Let's see how we can help maybe get some resources over here. Oh, well, you know, Bill's got this going on. Maybe we can help them. But if everyone is kind of showing, you know, the, the reports of, you know, green, yellow, red light, if everyone's showing green all the time because no one wants to be vulnerable to show that their department's suffering or anything, then, you know, we're, we're not going to make any headway. But instead of people start to be real about their team, they start to be real about their life. They start to be real about what's going on. Now we can start to solve some things. Well,
2: something you said that resonated for me there was when you have vulnerability, now you can have empathy. Mm -hmm. I literally just wrote down vulnerability is an access point to empathy. Um, That really resonated for me. I think it is difficult to have empathy for people. And we make a lot of judgments when... Someone doesn't give us their vulnerability of what's actually happening in your world that might be driving some of the things of somebody showing up late, somebody not coming with the right prep work, somebody, and then if somebody's not vulnerable, what's actually happening? What's impacting you? How are you feeling less than or compromised Mm -hmm. at home, for example, Uh, and not that work needs to bring in everything about home per se, but there's some degree of vulnerability for it where does that line land in terms of vulnerability around what is happening at home and what's happening at work in terms of the context of when at home first vulnerability being okay at work how much of that home vulnerability can or should be brought to work do you have any thoughts there
1: yeah i mean, I, I do think some of it needs to be brought to work for sure i mean we also can't all day long, just be sitting in each other's office talking about how a rough home is, or you know, my spouse this or my spouse that. I mean, you know, for sure that there's there's got to be a line there. Um, but I mean, if, if there's some things going on at the house that are going to affect your work or affecting you, then I believe that they need to be shared. I mean, if you've got a someone battling with an illness, if if there's demands of as, you know, special needs or kids having difficulty at school for some reasons. But if it's starting to impact not only your performance at work, it, but also just how you're showing up to meetings, how you're showing up to different things, I think it needs to be shared. What I've also seen is when, other, when companies start to invest not only time and money into helping people achieve things in their personal life, there's amazing breakthrough that takes place. Corey, I was just
0: going to go there. I I was was just going to ask you, what's the role of the enterprise in all of this? We spent a lot of time talking about the individual and their role in ensuring that they have the five capitals and they have their identity and they know where they want to go and everything else. But talk to us, I guess in, in closing here, what's the role of the enterprise? What's the role of the leadership of the company, the responsibility they have for their team to be able to win at home?
1: Yeah. I think there's a huge responsibility. Um, you know, in the standpoint, and, and I think not only is there a responsibility, I mean, it's also a win-win for the enterprise. It helps with retention. You know, if, if the employee knows that they are cared for, and they're just not a number, they're going to stick around through thick and thin. They're not just going to, I mean, it goes back to the five capitals. If that spiritual capital's purpose, and the bottom one is money, if they know that you care about them, they're not going to go jump ship for a dollar more an hour if they're in, in work, if the laborer working a plant or even 5,000 more, 10,000 more if they're regional manager. They may stick around because of the purpose of mm-hmm. the company over profit. So if you have a purpose as a company and we're going to invest holistically in our, in our employees, we're going to make yeah. sure that, hey, they are developing here, they're growing, they are doing well at home. And so some companies will, you know, give awards for kind of stop smoking or weight loss or get additional degrees. You know, people pay, you know, there's been those trends where people pay for people to go on vacation because they know how important it is. Yeah. So I think it's a, a big deal. And I also think it helps with the retention and overall health of the company. Goes back to my story earlier, John, when I started to see individuals that reported to me start to be intentional about winning at home and in their personal life and EBITDA and profitability improved. That's when I got to see it firsthand that this, this stuff's good. This stuff matters.
0: Yeah. Purpose over paycheck is the way, you know, the way that quote you started off with. So it's right. And, And I would challenge really leaders, you know, thinking about the five capitals, not just for themselves, but for their company, are they giving their team enough spiritual time to think or even, even sometimes just think, you know, way too many times our, our team members are so busy day in and day out. They don't even have time to think within their own role because they're they're working like robots, right? Or the yep. relational, like I know the, the best companies I've worked for and look how rich and I connected, we worked together. We became best friends for life. You know, a lot of relationships happen actually in the workplace, but you got to leave room for that to happen. And I can keep going on through the five capitals, but yeah. it's kind of interesting to think about it from a corporate perspective. How can you use these five capitals, not just individually, but for your company? So well, that's a great segue. I mean,
1: that's exactly what we do. So we'll go into companies with the five capitals. We we, we change the names uh, yep. when we go into corporate just because it's, you know, it's purpose, people, pace, perception, profit, because yep. it, 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 you don't get stuck on the word spiritual. Some companies get kind of, you sure. know, wonky when you start doing that. But it, those are the five Ps that we'll use for companies and they yep. get it. And so we start with the vision values. are you a healthy, productive culture? Is it a sustainable pace? You know, so those are the things that we work through. Same thing. It's, and yeah. it, it's awesome. And it helps companies that are small or, you know, the larger companies we work with.
0: Yeah. Well, I love it. And, and certainly, if Rich ever writes his book called Lose at Home First, I'm not going to buy <laughs> his. I'm, I'm going to go read yours first because <laughs> it's a lot more positive. But uh, Corey, this is fantastic. Love all the, the pieces of information we have here. And if someone wants to get a hold of you and talk to you a little bit more about what you do for them or for companies, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Yes, yeah, so a lot of the coaching I do is, as I mentioned, Five Capitals an Organization, um, and so five And then, as you know, as far as me and I've got a blog I'm sending out weekly that you can sign up for that. I got, I have ten ways to win at home. Is is the free PDF giveaway, Rich? You may not like awesome. it. It's about winning. I may have to uh, about losing. I do
2: like it. I love winning.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, I think there will be a future blog about ways to lose at home because I, I do think it, it was an interesting uh, conversation on that, but Corey So C O R Y M Carlson.com is my website from there. You can get, you know, sign up for the blogs and, and other resources that I have there for leaders.
0: That's awesome. Thanks a lot for your time here today. Yeah. Thank awesome. you, Corey.
1: Thank you guys.
0: Stick around with Rich and I for a few more minutes while we break down the podcast. Rich, I love I love the way that you took a concept from 20 years ago, right? The <laughs> twist on the positivity and talked about how to be the world's worst boss. And maybe one day we'll get that book out. But I love the way you twisted that to you know, tell us really how we can be bad at home. Because I certainly know I can look back on my life introspectively and go, there were times I wasn't that great. Uh, and and when, you, when you put it in that perspective, it's like, well, you, know, you shouldn't do that. It's a lot easier for someone to look at someone else's household or what you're doing or not doing. And say, oh, that's not being good at home. But to twist it that way, I thought was very interesting. And I I love Corey's message in general, right? This isn't win at work. This is win at home. But by winning at home and knowing what you want spiritually and knowing what you want from a passion purpose perspective, you can ultimately also win at work.
2: Yeah, not just win at home, but win at home first. I think that makes so much sense. At the end of the day, as much as we would like to compartmentalize, oh, I leave work at work and I leave home at home. We are the same person, particularly with so many of us. I mean, you're in my home office right now. I'm going to walk out those fringe doors and there are kids sitting on the couch over there. And I'm the same person right here as I am four steps away. Mm -hmm. So to win at home first, not just so we can be our best at work, but so we could be our best at home to be able to bring our best everywhere we go. And the number one thing that I got from him was the intentionality part. And we tend to have this different level of intentionality at work than we do home. And then there's that quote that you, know, you think of where you go, are you, uh, are you working to live or are you living to work? Mm. And a lot of people would say, I am working to live. My life is really about my family. But we're not nearly as intentional often with our family, which leads to not winning at home first. I mean, all those dots were just connecting and firing off for me while I was listening to Corey.
0: Yeah, and I know we didn't talk about so much in this episode, but I noticed in some of Corey's uh, you know, stuff on LinkedIn and whatnot, one of his quotes is live to thrive. And if you win at home first and you're living the life you want to live, you will thrive in the workplace. You will thrive because it's a matter of perspective. You know, I didn't bring it up on this episode, but, you know, one of the things and I, I don't claim to know much about, you know, uh, the rumor mill or what's going on in life. But, you know, one of the sad, saddest things I heard in a long time was Bill and Melinda Gates getting a divorce. And I don't know what's going on, but the rumors are that Bill's a workaholic. He just works all the time, and, and he doesn't give enough time for living life. And he may not have won at home first. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Success is, 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 is relative. We talked about that a little bit in one of our prior episodes. And so I love the way you just talked about being yourself, winning at home first, and walking out those French doors. It reminds me of Mike Hopkins a little bit. He's yeah. like, look, yeah. this is me. I'm, this is me at home. This is me at work. And if me at work isn't me, then that's not me. And, and I really love the way that kind of all comes together with what Corey was talking about. And you know, knowing what your current identity is and where you want to go, if you start with that in these five capitals, I could really see where that goes. And I actually saw myself go through a little bit of that process during my sabbatical uh, a couple of years ago where I went through, okay, where am I? Where do I want to go? And I walked myself through a little bit of these five capitals. So when he was talking through them, they kind of resonated with me personally in terms of, okay, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What do i want going to do? And I'll go optimize and thrive in business after, but I got to first figure out where I'm at. Well, it
2: doesn't, it doesn't take many assumptions to get to Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce, not because they're highly connected. That's, That's not why anybody gets a divorce. So they're not as connected as they might have been formerly or they might have wished they would have been. And then you have to go in Bill Gates' mind. It's just interesting. Is the divorce a win because he can spend more time on his work because that's where his impact to the world will be? Is he considering that a win? because I've also heard that they're going to be working in the foundation still together and they have enough harmony in their relationship to work in the foundation together, but not enough connection to be married. It's, it's just interesting. And I, it's probably not even worth the time to say those things because we don't know and it's probably not worth speculating. Just an interesting thought. Like is he winning where he ultimately wanted to win and it wasn't at home. And this is a, yeah. and this is an end result of that. Yeah. uh transition topics he said it Corey, so quickly but i was able to catch it did you catch the five p's i did were... i
0: love to write them down if you caught them because i heard purpose and then
2: i wasn't able to catch the the rest of them what were they i got it at the sacrifice of listening to what he said next because i had to <laughs> it in my head it was purpose people pace perception and profit And I imagine as I reread those, I imagine he set those up and it's five capitals.net. So, you know, that's his formula. I imagine he set those up from the top to bottom and just the same way as the five capitals uh, for the individual are set up. That if you go bottom to top, that that's doing it backwards and the bottom is profit, which obviously made me think of Randy Soma in that episode about leadership. Yeah. Now, so if we think of that with business and start with purpose in business, then go to people, moving with pace, what is the perception? I can imagine that being both internally and with customers and that leads to profit. We obviously didn't spend a lot of time on it, but uh, I was able to take a note on it and I can see that having a lot of value.
0: Yeah, thank you for repeating that because I I wasn't able to catch it. I cut purpose and then I couldn't catch the rest of them. So great job on the trigger there. And I think I'll end with this, you know, when you asked him how to lose at home and then you said, okay, if the flip that, how do you win at home first? And it was be intentional. And you had a really good comment, which was forethought, you know, as an example, one of the things I'm probably the most proud of is, you know, my wife and I go on date night every single Saturday night, ever since, you know, well before we were married. So over 17 years ago, every Saturday night we were living in Chicago, night. that started. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, That is something that is intentional. It's in our calendar. That's what we do. But then I look at other parts of my life and go, "Mm, maybe not as intentional about one-on-one time with the kids, as an example, right? We're always together, always doing things, but maybe not as intentional there. Maybe not as intentional about other aspects that I could be a little bit more in the game winning at home. And so I think what I'm going to take away from this, and I would challenge you to do the same thing and challenge our audience to do the same, is what are two things we could have a little more forethought in to win at home over the next you know, few weeks and literally go have some forethought and go take action on it. That's what I want to take away from this episode.
2: So you're pulling a page from Curtis Zimmerman in that podcast on the next 24 hours, next 24. And you're challenging our listeners and me. What are two things you're going to be more intentional about at home? I will only parlay that with One of the things that Corey said was when you're doing any journaling, maybe consider reflective questions. I like that. I thought that was an interesting look. So what are the questions that you've got about how to be more intentional or why am I not as intentional as I might like to be to identify a roadblock? And so maybe through reflective questions, we can access what are the two things that we're going to do differently to be intentional at home? Love it.